0: Well, good morning again, everybody. How's everyone doing? Hey, uh, here's something I bet we all have in common besides COVID-19. Conflict. I hate conflict. I don't know about you, but I don't even like the word conflict at all. In fact, conflicted. I mean, I don't even like the sound of it. It sounds like convict. I don't know if you know this, but the etymology of the word conflict is con and flict (laughs) You probably know this, but... Flicked means afflicted by. Con means constipation. Now, I, need, I haven't fact-checked that yet, but, but, uh, but that's how it makes me feel inside. Honest to goodness, it, I'm all tied up in knots, and, and I hate conflict. Um, but for me, it started really early, early in my life. Um, see, I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sisters, and and so there was uh, conflict and constipation constantly in our family. But here's the deal. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or just checking out this God thing, this faith thing, this Christianity thing, we are thrilled that you're with us this morning, both here and out there uh, this morning. We're thankful that you're here. But here's the deal. Whether you are a follower of Christ or, or you're just checking out this whole thing, uh, the world that we live in, if, you, if you're a human being, if you interact with other human beings, any relationship, any age, whether you're 8 or 80 and even beyond that, uh, if you have a relationship, it could be a father-son, a mother-daughter, it could be a spouse, it could be a neighbor, it could be a coworker. If you're in a relationship with anybody because of that relationship, we will experience conflict and tensions. So, does anyone agree with me? Can you raise your hand in agreement on that? Okay, I see a few hands. Okay, good, good. But I'm just curious, uh, on the other hand, is there anybody, anybody, anybody in here today or out there uh, that, that when I say conflict, you go, Steve, I am excited about conflict. I, in fact, I thrive on conflict. Is there anyone in here this morning that, that uh, thrives on that. Can you raise your hand? I'm really surprised. There was a couple of people in the first service. There's always a few psychos in every crowd, but, but, uh, but uh, the nun here this morning. <laughs> but most of us, we don't thrive on conflict, do we? Now, conflict is basically void of peace. And so here's the bottom line to all this as we look at our scriptures this morning and, and everybody in here that I know of needs help with conflict. And, and just in your notes, and I'm gonna actually uh, give you a little bit of a, a, a tutorial basically. If you don't know how to access our notes, if you're watching online at home and you're, you can multitask actually and, and look at the notes. And so uh, you can get that on our, if you're watching on our website. But if you're watching uh, live or if you're watching... Uh, here um, or on Facebook Live or YouTube, you can access it at mysouthernhills.info slash message. You can follow along with the, with the scriptures and, and just some of, the, some of the big ideas. So, okay, conflict. The Apostle Paul challenges us uh, in many books that he's written, uh, but he challenges us really in, in the book of Romans in chapter 12 Uh, He says this in verse 18, and if you would be so kind, if you could read this with me, it's on the TV and it's on the screens above as well. So read this with me. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody, everyone. So if you're taking notes, focus on if possible. Those are really key words, if possible, because peace is our goal, should be our goal. Isn't that a relevant message for today? As I was looking at the news channels and all the things that are happening in the world today, that is so relevant. It's great advice. So let's look at our primary passage of Scripture this morning as we continue on this journey that that we have through the book of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're going to look today and pick this up in chapter 4, and we're going to focus on verses 1 through 5 here this morning, so kind of a tight, tight verse. So beginning in verse 1. Paul starts out in this uh, fourth chapter. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So who's he talking to here? He's talking to his family. He's talking to his beloved family. And he's telling them to stand firm, stand firm in the Lord. And so why do these believers need to grow stable? Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, Externally, they were being persecuted by, um, let's see, the Romans. And that was kind of a big deal. And they were also being pressured by the unchurched and the unsaved in their own communities. Uh, It sounds a little bit like today in some ways. You know, the New Testament warns us to expect external trials and internal battles. Uh, But in Christ, even though there are enemies without and there are enemies within, we can stand firm and not be shaken. And now he jumps into a conflict with his church family, and he addresses it head on, just like Paul always does. Beginning in verse 2, he says, I plead with Erodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have continued at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In these first few verses of of chapter 4, Paul actually shines a spotlight on the problem that's kind of been in the undergo and kind of discernible through this whole letter to the church in Philippi. So there were in this church in Philippi, two lovely ladies, I'm sure they were. Yet they were arguing with one another, they were having a significant conflict and they were in some kind of disagreement. Someone suggested they both sang in the choir and they had to wear a mask and they hated singing with a mask on, but I kinda doubt that. But at any rate, there's some difference that they were having and which put them out of harmony and, and into a conflict with each other. And so the quarrel was starting to spread throughout the entire church. And some were taking sides, and it was beginning to threaten the actual unity of the church in Philippi. They hadn't divided yet, but, and it wasn't a church split, but they were on the verge of it. Conflict doesn't happen in church, right? Yeah. No. When I was growing up, my parents were very vested and invested in serving in our hometown church. It was the first chapter. First Baptist Church in Mulvane, Kansas, a small, small town. And one Sunday, uh, our pastor was at the very ornate pulpit on the middle of the stage. And all of a sudden, coming down the middle aisle of the church was a deacon with a, with a white note in his hand. And so he's running, 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 and he gets to the edge of the stage in the, in this, in the pastor. There's only one pastor in the church. Um, he looks at this guy as he's coming forward, he leans down and the deacon hands him the note. <laughs> and he says, "I need." he reads the note, and he said, I need to interrupt the sermon for just a moment. And I need to inform the parents that the fourth grade boys are now in complete control of their Sunday school class and are holding Mrs. Snyder as a hostage. Now... We've come close here at Southern Hills to having some situations, but we've never had anything like that. We never had a hostage situation happen, and I would challenge anyone to try to do that to Miss Michelle. But my mom, St. Doris, pleaded with the deacon council to keep me from being booted from the church. My dad was the chairman of the deacons. <laughs> Wasn't good. Conflict doesn't happen in the church, right? Right? How many of you, when you were growing up, were in a church youth group? Raise your hands. Okay. kind have a younger crowd here today, which is good. Uh, You know, for you guys, you know, I was once your age. This is our youth group here. Everyone applaud that they're here this morning. I was once your age. I know it's hard to believe that. I I just know it's hard to, to imagine that, but I was once your age. But when I was your age, I don't even think youth groups were invented yet. And so in the town that I was in, <laughs> in the church that I was in, I had to develop my own sense of entertainment. And so one of those things and I was looking for it all the time we had training union on Sunday nights. we had Wednesday nights, the potluck suppers, all kinds of things going on, and then Sundays, of course, were an all-day affair. So I was always looking for entertainment, and that part of that came from a mandatory monthly business meeting that the the church held on Wednesday nights. And most of the time, the meetings were extremely boring. It's extremely boring, not like ours. I mean, here at Southern Hills, ours are pretty cool and exciting, but these were pretty boring. But occasionally, there were some really humorous things that, that happened and some drama, and because of the conflicts that took place within the church. The most memorable one that I can remember was a conflict over, and it wasn't over carpet, it wasn't over paint colors, it wasn't over anything like that. It was over deviled eggs, whether they should be served at our Wednesday night potluck suppers. Really, (laughs) demon-possessed eggs? I mean, no, no, no conflict in the church, right? So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter about a conflict with people who should be, let me repeat, should be, and let me repeat, should be on the same page, on the same team. I'm sure the conflict in, the, in this church was much more serious than deviled eggs. But Paul says that two things are needed to settle this conflict on the basis of the amazing testimony that we've kind of re- been revealed to us through this entire letter to the church in Philippi. So if I could just take a pause here just for a moment and just kind of review where we've been in, in this wonderful, wonderful study, and I have to just make a personal comment. This, this study has been so meaningful to me as I read this, and I've read it in numerous translations over the last few months, and I have to tell you, it is so relevant to what's happening in our world today and how I react to it. And so this is my summary of, of this study that, that Pastor Hess and Josh have been, been undertaking. In chapter 1, again, this is my summary, chapter 1, Paul speaks of, of his unchanging mission. He models for us an incredible attitude of uh, and how to handle adversity. And you know what? We've got adversity, right? In chapter 2, his letter discusses the servant's heart of a leader, illustrating the humility in Christ displayed in coming to our planet. I don't know about you, but I think we need leaders that have humility at all levels. Chapter three, Paul discusses priorities, goal setting, and perseverance. Relevant, incredibly relevant. And then chapter four, he begins with peace and harmony. But now it comes down to the practical actions for handling this conflict, and two things need to be done. First of all, agree in the Lord. And second, rejoice in the Lord. And there's a common thread in both of those, It's in the phrase, in the Lord. First agree. That really means finding common ground. You know how it is when you have a disagreement with someone and and their personality just rubs you the wrong way? It's kind of like friction. It's kind of like sandpaper on sandpaper. Yeah. They're one of those irritating people who always do things differently and are hard to live with, and you know who they are. You're thinking of them right now. Just don't look at them. Our tendency is to say, oh, we've got nothing in common with each other, and so we just go our separate ways, and we go down separate hallways, we go into separate rooms. But the Apostle Paul says this is absolutely wrong for Christians, for believers in Christ. Separations between believers and Jesus Christ must never, ever be permitted, for it is really wrong to think that we have nothing in common. Christ followers always have something in common in the Lord. Therefore, we need to agree and get together in the Lord. It's impossible to know what this conflict was about, and it really doesn't make any difference either. But for, what are areas, for whatever areas of the, there was of disagreement, there are always vast areas of agreement within the body of the church and for our lives as believers. The apostle is pleading with these two people. In fact, he says it twice, I'm pleading with you and I'm pleading with you to get together and talk about those things and from that agreement begin to work on solutions to the problems that they are are disagreeing upon. I think that if they did that, they would soon find that starting from that basis in areas of disagreement, that they would begin to shrink and shrivel until there was nothing left and they were agreed in the Lord, that's what the solution is. Next he points out that, and I think this is something that that is really important, he points out that, uh, that sometimes it requires outside help, and I'm glad he mentions this actually, because this is the basis for brothers and sisters in Christ and actually for Christian counseling. Counseling can be tremendously helpful in this area. It's sometimes really difficult for us to see beyond our own areas of disagreement. And can we agree to agree that we all have blind spots, that we just can't see ourselves? But when a third party comes in, they can, we can look through their eyes in the situation. And what might seem of paramount importance, just huge importance to us, often if you see it through someone else's perspective, it changes. So the Apostle Paul says this in verse 3. He says, yes... I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have continued at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life." So as I've studied this passage and 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 in my reading, many scholars are kind of wondering who the loyal yoke fellow is. In some translations it's companion, sometimes it's partner, but it, it all means the same thing. And So some have suggested some unknown person in Philippi who he'd worked with previously, Another you know, this thing, it's one of the young men that's there with him in prison, and it's one of those guys is doing the dictation uh, writing as a secretary and writing down what Paul is saying. But I can see Paul personally in, there in prison dictating this letter to one of the men who traveled with him, but, but who are he talking to? It really doesn't make that much difference. But he's, what he really wants to do is he wants a third party to step in and step up and help these two ladies settle this conflict. So that the disagreement no longer stands between them, separating them and the church. But they agree in the Lord. The second activity is really important as well, and it's really the theme of the entire... in the book of Philippians. It's called rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That's also necessary. In order to agree, it's critical that we find a place where we can rejoice in what is taking place. In fact, he's used this word, rejoice in the Lord. This is the third and fourth time in the book, and he asks the church again to rejoice. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. This is the mark of, a, of spiritual maturity there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians that, that is of similar uh, in some ways. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We need to learn that it all comes into our lives and, and, and that everything that comes into our lives, even these irritating conflicts with others, is sin of the Lord either to one, Reveal something in our own hearts that we can't see on our own. Or two, to give us an opportunity to love others with gentleness and kindness, which is possible only through the power of Jesus Christ. And so he adds these verses in, in these words in verse five. He says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Your sweet gentleness, let everyone see that. That's why you are a Christ follower, that they might see sweetness and graciousness that you have in Christ. And You you might say, Steve, well, how, you know, this is great to say, but how do you actually do this? Because sometimes we get so angry about something that someone has done, and you can hardly find words to express it. We've all been there. And they continue to be irritating over and over and over again. How do you do this? Stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. The Lord is available to you. And you have someone within who is able to do this with you. If we do the possible, God will do the impossible. Now believe it. Stand firm. Act on that basis. I encourage us all to be in agreement and of the same mind and rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be known to all. And in particular, to those who are on the same team. Now, standing firm requires some self-examination, and the Apostle Paul commanded that the Corinthians examine themselves in 2 Corinthians 13, he says this. He says, test yourselves to see that you are in the faith. So I'm gonna ask you this morning as we close, uh, two reflective questions. And they're just for you. And that's why I use the word reflective because just internalize these. So here's the first question. Is Christ in you? Is he real, genuine, is there an alive relationship where you know his peace and his joy and experience his peace and rejoicing. Second question is up here on the screens as well. Is Christ in you? Where he shows through you to others in gracious, kind, giving, sacrificial and loving rejoicing throughout your relationships. Is it evident? And here's an action that I would want us all to take this morning. Uh, does everyone have their cell phone with you? Pull it out of your pocket or, or um, to where I can see it. Let me see your cell phone. Okay, good. Almost everybody, okay. What I want you to do this morning is, and we haven't done this in a while, but I want you to take two minutes or less And think of a partner, a yoke fellow in the faith. And I want you to text them a gentle, kind, loving, encouraging message of gratitude in the spirit of rejoicing. This is powerful in two ways. Just takes a moment to do. I think we as Christians need to spend more time rejoicing, celebrating what we have in Christ. And this is a simple way to do it. Just give you a moment. Before I leave here today, before I leave this, uh, this table, um, I just want to ask if you have made a decision this morning or, or want to share a prayer request with us. I know Jesse mentioned that earlier at the beginning, but but um, we want to hear from you. We would love to hear your comments and how you're doing. Um, we cannot be touched enough, I think, in this, in this environment. So email us at info at org or on our website at mysouthernhills.church slash getconnected. Thank you. God bless you. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I just beg that we may live our lives for Christ and just stand firm in him so that we can be used by you to witness in word and in our actions to all that we come into contact with this, this week. Thank you for the gift of joy and for the fruit of rejoicing. Thank thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are worthy of our praise. Enable us to stand firm and to rejoice in you always. And let the spirit of gentleness be evident in our lives this week. Lord, we just ask that um, allow us to do the possible because we know that you can do the impossible. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.